Chapter Number Four of the Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island by Herbert Carter, Chapter Number Four, launched on the inland sea. Sure enough, Bumpus was in plain sight, for the fire still burned, and there was also a bright moon high up in the heavens. The fat scout seemed to be trying to execute all the steps in a southern hoedown or an Irish jig, for he was prancing around this way and that, holding on to his hand, which the other boys now discovered was streaked with blood. "'Oh, what's happened to you, Bumpus?' cried Step Hen, as he ran out toward the spot where the other continued to waltz around in his bright red and white striped pajamas that made him look like an animated sawed-off barber's pole, as one of his chums had once told him. It bit me. Oh, I'll bleed to death, I reckon now, wailed the other. Say, Thad, get out some of that purple stuff you use for scratches from wild animals. Maybe blood poisoning will develop, and I just hate the worst kind to die up here, away from my own home. What bit you, can't you tell us, Bumpus? asked Thad, though he already may have had suspicions that way. Jim did the bally old owl, came the dismal answer. Please, oh please, tell me whether his beak is poisonous, won't you, Thad? Well, what'd you think of that? ejaculated Step Hen. However, did you happen to meddle with my owl, tell me? Sure, I did give you permission to unchain him if you had the nerve, but I never did believe you'd go and take me up at that. I didn't neither, Bumpus declared, still dancing around. Here, let me see that wound, called out Thad as he and Alan cornered the sufferer. All it may need is washing and then binding up with some healing salve. But it makes a nasty cut, don't it, Alan? I should say yes, replied the other. But it's some lucky that it wasn't his face the bird struck at. Why, Bumpus might have lost an eye. At that possibility, the fat scout set up another roar. Just you believe the old thing meant to snap my eye out when he bit at me, and I must have happened to put out my hand, so he struck that, he declared, while Alan hastened to open a package and take out some salve and tape, such as scouts should always carry along with them when in camp, because there is no telling when it may be needed badly, just as in the present instance. "'But see here, what possessed you to walk around in this way "'and go over to try and pet that savage bird?' asked Thad. "'Give you my solemn affidavit that I don't know a single thing about it,' "'the other went on to say, as solemn as the owl that sat on the branch nearby. "'Do you mean you don't remember getting up and coming out here?' "'continued the scoutmaster, who always probed things to the very dregs "'or until he had extracted all the information possible. "'Not a thing,' reaffirmed Bumpus and his face showed that he was speaking only the truth. I can remember laying down for a snooze, and then everything seems to be blank after that, till all of a sudden I felt that awful pain, and it made me let out a sudden whoop. I should think it did, muttered Giraffe. Ten engines rolled into one couldn't beat that howl, and I sure thought that the panther had got you that time. Well, likely, I just thought that same thing too, Giraffe, when I warbled that way, because I remember now, I was dreaming about gray-coated panthers. Then, I thought about rattlesnakes, too, because you know I can't stand for the crawlers. Next thing, I opened my eyes with a jump and saw that old owl, with every feather on his back, standing up like the quills of a porcupine, and trying to jab me a second time. Thad and Alan, who had now returned in time to hear this last, exchanged looks. A clear case of sleepwalking, seems like, ventured the former. Oh, my goodness gracious, I thought I was over them tricks years ago, exclaimed Bumpus, shivering. 
If they're going to take me again, I see my finish, because some night I'll walk off a precipice, and that'll be the end of me. We'll like as not have to tie you by the leg every night, just like Jim is now, and that'll stop you prancing around loose, trying to set my pets free in your sleep, Step Hen went on to say reassuringly. But somehow, Bumpus did not seem to take to the idea the least bit. You let me alone, that's all, Step Hen Bingham, he told the other, and I'll fix my own business. That's what comes of you keeping the silly old owl. Serve you about right if his mate dropped in and bit the end of your big toe off to pay you up for fastening that chain on the poor thing's leg. Say, I like that now, when you were the very first one to ask if we couldn't keep that same owl, Step Hen told him. Wow, that hurts some, let me tell you, fellows, groaned the fat scout when Alan was putting some salve, calculated to help heal the wound on the torn place, and then with the assistance of the scoutmaster, he started binding the hand up with windings of soft linen that came in a tape roll two inches wide. But let me tell you, it's some chilly out here with only pajamas on, objected Giraffe. And for one, I'm going to skip back under my blanket where I can snuggle down. Somebody remember to throw a little wood on the fire, please. Let Davy do it. Of course, that really meant either the scoutmaster or Alan, and Giraffe often had a failing for shirking some duty like this. It was so easy to expect some other to do disagreeable things, though as a rule, the boys were accustomed to saying, let Davy do it, until it had become so tiresome that the Jones boy had rebelled and refused to be the errand boy any longer for the entire patrol. In half an hour, silence again brooded over the camp. Bumpus must have done something to make sure he did not start walking in his sleep again, for nothing occurred to disturb their slumbers until dawn came along and, with birds singing as well as gray squirrels barking lustily at the intruders, awakened them all. Breakfast was hurried, because all of them were anxious to be on the move. They knew that by following the shore of the big water several miles, they would come to the point where there was a village with something of a landing place in a sheltered nook, and here they expected to find their boat awaiting them. It was about an hour after sun-up that the cheery notes of Bumpus's silver-toned bugle gave the signal for the start, and the six khaki-clad lads could be seen moving at a fairly fast pace along the shore of the lake. Step Hen had managed to bundle the captive owl in a spare sweater so he could carry him all right without danger. The little waves came purling up close to their feet and seemed to welcome the strangers to their domain but Thad knew full well that under different conditions these same waves would unite to threaten them with destruction. Step Hen, having found a way to muzzle the owl so that he could carry the prisoner without fear of dire attacks from that sharp beak, seemed more determined than ever to try and keep Jim, and he frowned every time he saw Bumpus observing the bird thoughtfully, because he imagined the fat scout might be hatching up a scheme for choking the thick-necked prisoner in revenge for what he had suffered from its savage thrust. Finally, a loud shout was heard from Giraffe, who being so much taller than the balance of the scouts and possessed of a neck he could stretch to an alarming degree, was in a position to see much farther than the rest. The village is in sight, he announced, whereat there was a cheer. The owl commenced to struggle afresh. Step Hen had his hands full, trying to quiet his feathered prisoner. With their goal now close at hand, the boys were able to step out at a more lively pace, even Bumpus showing surprising gains. About ten o'clock, they arrived at the settlement where they had seen some sort of dock, at which a couple of ore barges of the whaleback type were being loaded. Already the eager eyes of the boys had discovered a boat that answered the description of the one they expected to find awaiting them. 
making straight for the place, they found that they had guessed rightly. That good-sized powerboat was the Chippeway Bell, the vessel which was to be their home for the next two weeks or more, as they pleased. An investigation revealed the fact that their stores were all aboard, as well as their extra supplies that went under the general designation of Duffel. "'Nothing else for us to do but go aboard and make a bully start, is there, Thad?' asked the impatient giraffe, eager to find out how the craft could go, for up to now the Silver Fox Patrol had generally spent their outings on dry land, and this idea of a cruise had come somewhat in the shape of what Thad called an innovation. "'Nothing at all, giraffe,' replied the other, himself looking pleased at the prospect of being about to start on such a splendid pleasure trip. "'How about paying for the use of the boat? Has that all been attended to?' asked careful Bumpus, who was not so very much of a water-dog himself, and rather viewed the prospect of getting out of sight of land on board so small a craft with anything but exultant delight. Indeed, to tell the honest truth, the fat scout was already secretly sorry that he'd come. "'Oh, yes,' replied Thad quickly. "'Dr. Hobbs attended to all of that for us. "'Fact is, this boat is owned by a friend of his, "'which was how we got it as cheap as we did. "'And more than that, the gentleman attended to packing all our supplies at the Sioux "'and sent the boat here on a steamer so we could start from this place. "'It was Dr. Philander's idea, you know, "'this coming through the copper region along the south shore of the Eek. "'And now, if you're all of the same mind, let's get started.' Hurrah! Hoist the pennant of the silver fox patrol that your sister Polly made us, giraffe, and every fellow dip his hat to the colors of the gay Chippeway Bell. And in answer to this request on the part of Davy Jones, they did salute the raising of the neat little burgee that had a silver fox fashioned in silken handwork upon it. Thad examined the engine carefully. He knew considerable about such things, and yet he fancied he might have more or less trouble with the motive power of this Lake Superior boat, for it was of rather an ancient pattern, and had evidently seen its best days. Between them, Thad and Alan confessed this much, but they did not think it good policy to say anything to the others, though anxious Bumpus watched their conference uneasily, and could be seen to carefully pick out a spot on the rail where he perched, and seemed inclined to stay. It was handy to a quick getaway in case the worst happened and the engine blew up, as he whispered to himself. After he had, as he believed, mastered the rudiments of the working of the motor, Thad told them to cast off, and they would make a start. Several men stood around to watch them get away, among the party in whose charge the boat had been left, and who had only delivered it up after Thad had produced an order for the same, and paid certain expenses for storage and watching. "'We're moving at last,' called Step Hen excitedly, as the machinery started to go off with a rush after Thad had cranked the engine. Alan stood by the wheel, and as the prow of the boat gurgled through the clear waters of the great lake, every scout was thrilled with the vast possibilities that faced them, now that their cruise had begun. "'This means that we'll eat our first meal aboard at noon today,' remarked Giraffe, who seemed determined that no regular feeding time might be neglected if he could help it. "'You ought to be a happy fellow, Giraffe,' remarked Davy Jones, "'after taking a look over the piles of grub we've got aboard. "'Why, do you know there's a whole big ham, two slabs of bacon, and all sorts of good things? "'No danger of any of us going hungry on this excursion, "'unless the old tub should happen to sink and leave us marooned on some rocky island.' "'Oh, see here, stop joking about that sort of thing, Davy,' remonstrated Bumpus, "'shivering as though he felt a cold draught. I know right well that if such a horrible thing ever did happen to us, 
the rest of you'd make up your minds to begin on me the first thing. Well, that's the penalty you have to pay, Bumpus, for being so tempting, chuckled Step Hen. Now, who'd ever think of picking Giraffe out for a dainty meal while he's as skinny as an old crow? There are times when it pays right well to be thin, remarked the scout held up to derision. That'd be one of them, I reckon. They were by now far away from the ore dock and the barges that were loading. Indeed, it was only with an effort that they could see each other, for a haze had crept over the surface of the lake. The Chippeway Bell had been going along at quite a fair pace, although making more noise than was agreeable to either Thad or Allen, when all at once, without the least warning, there was heard a loud report. Instantly, the sound of the engine ceased. "'She's broke down and wrecked already,' yelled Giraffe excitedly. "'Oh, mercy, and she may explode at any second now,' cried poor Bumpus, after which, in sheer desperation, he jumped deliberately overboard, clinging to the side of the swaying craft and in momentary expectation of hearing a fearful crash as the gasoline tank went up. End of chapter number four of The Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island by Herbert Carter